A discussion of Joseph and Emma Smith's sons, especially their last son, David Hiram Smith, next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Whenever we discover new resources that expose the doctrine and practice of Mormon polygamy, we like to take from it what we can yeah. in our discussion yeah. uh, to illustrate to our viewers the foundation of today's polygamists and hopefully helps them to understand the historical stronghold that polygamy still has yeah. on Mormon polygamists today. I recently obtained a book entitled From Mission to Madness, The Last Son of the Mormon Prophet. It was written by Valine Tippetts Avery. Obviously, we can't detail everything that's in the book, but the main topic is the story of David Hiram Smith, who was the last son of Joseph and Emma. Yeah. Now, David was born in 1844, the same year, but after his father was killed in a gunfight while in jail. In the preface of the book, the author writes this about David. Enthusiastic about the world in which he lived, David not only devoted himself to his religion, but also dabbled in seances and spiritualism to find the religious implications of contemporary science, challenged the Utah Mormons about polygamy, and argued the place of reason in a revelation-oriented theology. So here we read that he got involved with yeah. the occult. Now, as as a, as a from the Mormon Church, the mainline mm -hmm. Mormon Church, me from polygamy. Right. Uh, I never knew anything like this about Joseph Smith's oh, sons. Oh, Did I, you? No, not at all. They didn't talk I, about these. I guess things. I didn't study it. I was too busy reading the Book of Mormon, but, <laughs> but I I didn't really ever even know that this was uh, mm -hmm. an issue. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that the RLDS would come and, on missionary trips yeah, I didn't from there that. to here to, right. to convert, and vice versa too, I suppose. But anyway, we're going to discover that Joseph Smith's sons were reluctant to follow some of the doctrinal footsteps of their father. In fact, this can be also said of their mother, Emma. Sure. Together, actually, they totally rejected Brigham Young, Brigham Young's Mormonism, his polygamy, and the Mormon church as the Salt Lake Mormon Church. The family stayed behind while Brigham Young led the Mormons west to Utah, and they organized what they called the True Mormon <laughs> Church. Um, they called it the RLDS, or the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and Joseph Smith III accepted the leadership role of the RLDS. They denied that Joseph Smith was a polygamist, that he ever taught it had or had a revelation uh, instating polygamy, and that anyone who embraced polygamy did so without the consent or acceptance of Joseph Smith, mm. opposite yeah. of what the Brigham Young Mormons did. Right. For years, uh, the RLDS and the Utah Mormons battled against each other doctrinally, each claiming to be, like I said, the only true church. In later years, Joseph Smith's sons traveled to Mormon, Utah as missionaries for the RLDS Church, and we quote again from the preface. On the one hand, the Smith boys occupied a royal place in Mormon expectation, and on the other, they could not accept the gathering, the polygamy, and the leadership of Brigham Young. David and his brothers, encouraged by their indomitable mother, came to define themselves in counterpoint to the Utah Mormons. Determined to, determined to clear his father's name, David preached against the practice of polygamy even as he became 
increasingly convinced that his father had introduced it. Now we have to remember that he was the only child who never met his father. He was born after his father died. Yeah, All of the true. other children would have known their father at least for a while. Now, David involved himself in the national movement to end polygamy. Mm. It's interesting, yeah. which eventually the Utah Mormon Church finally gave up. But David began suffering a mental illness, which landed him in an insane asylum where he lived until his death. He was never able to understand that the LDS Church finally did give up polygamy. Now, those are, who are familiar with Mormonism are probably aware of its riotous, unorthodox, and questionable beginnings. Although the book does cover these details, our purpose is to bring out the points that Emma and his son disputed Joseph Smith was a polygamist and some of the things they went to to prove he was not a polygamist. Not a polygamist. We quote from page 11. In contradiction to increasingly conservative American attitudes toward the purity of women and the sanctity of the home, in July 1843, the prophet formalized the doctrine of polygamy. He committed to paper a revelation commanding the Mormons to practice plural marriage, which would disrupt the church for the next hundred years and contribute greatly to his youngest son's distress. So polygamy was a big issue in, oh, yeah. in this son and in the doctrine of either of the RLDS or the regular LDS church. Um, of course, prior to putting uh, this alleged revelation on paper, Joseph Smith had already been a polygamist for several years, has had some of his closest confidants. Smith couched some of his proposals to prospective plural wives with the threat that an angel with the drawn sword had threatened to kill him if he didn't move forward with polygamy. And when he said that, he was a polygamist at the time that he claimed that, which I find interesting. Funny. <laughs> he, also, yeah, he also taught some of his followers that plural marriage was a necessary requirement for the restoration of all things as spoken of in the Bible. And then there were those who denied that Joseph Smith's sexuality uh, was part of his plural marriages, we quote. From page 11, while some persons argued later that he took wives in the spiritual sense without sexual relations, the women's own testimonies document that plural marriages generally involve full conjugal privileges. And this would be something that Emma and the children would have struggled with. I'm you sure. Know, if, if, it was, sure. if it was just a ceremony that didn't involve going to bed, a then... A spiritual kind of thing. Right, but, then it wouldn't be any big deal. Turned out it wasn't. So, right. Yeah. Right. Now, Emma, of course, had really no idea at the extent of her husband's polygamy. She did know that he claimed polygamy was essential for salvation, <laughs> but she remained adamantly opposed to her husband taking on uh, several plural wives. This is one reason that Smith was so secretive about polygamy. Of course, the culture itself opposed the plural wife lifestyle. It was then and still is illegal, so obviously they had to keep it secret for that reason as well. We quote from page 11 again. Plural marriage affronted Emma and later their children, especially David, Alexander, and Joseph III, forcing them to ignore it, deny it, deal with it, or lie about it. <laughs> and David couldn't deal with it. He couldn't, apparently. He couldn't deal with it. Part of that's one of the reasons that, and we'll talk about that next time. Anyway, yeah. despite Emma's refusal to accept polygamy, Joseph Smith continued to secretly take more and more plural wives without the knowledge of his only legal wife, Emma. Smith took several of her closest friends as plural wives, 
um, and as well as some of their young daughters. And of course, that destroyed their relationships when Emma found that out. Sure. It was impossible to keep Mormon polygamy a secret despite their best efforts of hiding it. The Mormons at that time argued that polygamy wasn't polygamy, but was celestial marriage a high and holy principle, and we still hear that today in the polygamy groups. I'm sure you do. Despite all their denials, Joseph Smith continued to pressure Emma to accept his polygamy, and she finally capitulated. Emma Smith, page 13 here, Emma Smith finally capitulated to her husband's persistent requests and agreed to allow Joseph four plural wives, Sarah and Maria Lawrence, and Eliza and Emily Partridge. The two pairs of sisters lived with the Smiths at various times. Joseph had, in fact, already secretly married the four young women, but to keep peace, once Emma had agreed, he arranged for a second ceremony in Emma's presence on May 23, 1843. The enormity of sharing Joseph overwhelmed Emma, and she immediately regretted her decision and did an about-face. Emily Partridge reported, quote, Emma seemed to feel well until the ceremony was over when almost before she could draw a second breath, she turned and was more bitter in her feelings than ever before, end of quote. And uh, the reality hit her, obviously, yeah. very, very... Realized what was actually mm -hmm. happening here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And until his death, Emma never stopped trying to change Joseph Smith's mind about plural marriage, insisting that he abandoned the idea. Ironically, because polygamy had remained such a deep secret and actually became an advantage to Emma later on in her life, not very many people knew it, so she could deny it and get, right. get, get away with it. Yeah. But after Smith was killed and the Mormons migrated to Utah, most of what reminded Emma of polygamy was gone. It went west with the with the more polygamous right. Mormons, and she remained silent about it and allowed her children to believe that their parents had not participated in plural marriage. In 1843, Emma had finally given her husband an ultimatum: get rid of his polygamy and his plural wives, or she would leave him. We find this in the journal of Joseph Smith's scribe William Clayton. William Clayton's journal entry for August 16, 1843, documented Emma's threat. To keep her, Joseph promised Emma he would relinquish all. But in recounting the incident to Clayton, Joseph admitted his subterfuge. He would not relinquish anything. David Smith's parents thus continued a relationship characterized by falsehood and deception on his father's part and anger and frustration on his mother's only 15 months before his birth. So it was it was yeah. a destructive kind of environment yeah. for anybody to be living emotionally destructive of course and and the trustworthiness was lost and tensions between Joseph and Emma would get would did not get any better in no. fact they continued okay. to get worse in fact sometimes in the sometime in the spring of 1844 uh, Smith apparently ordained his son Joseph Smith the 3rd uh, who was his eldest son, to succeed him as eventual president of the church. And I know there's been a lot of talk yeah. about who should have who should been have leader of the church after right. Smith was dead. This uh, idea of her oldest son becoming president of the church triggered a strong resolve in Emma to fix the polygamy issue. <laughs> his move triggered Emma's determination to rid the church of polygamy, for now it threatened to become her son's inheritance, 
She intensified, she intensified her campaign to force Joseph to end the practice. So here she would not only have a lot of sister wives to be dealing with, oh, she would boy. have a lot of sister-sister, daughters-in-law daughters to deal with. Oh, and, boy. and she didn't want her sons to go through that either. Well, trouble continued in Joseph Smith's household, uh, yet Emma became pregnant with David uh, during those months. Smith not only faced tension in his home, but also uh, in the church as polygamy became more and more well-known. And that, that was quite a stirring up going on within well, the church itself been. with polygamy. And in the neighborhood or in the, in the community. In the Nauvoo, community. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, so during that time, he had proposed plural marriage to William Law's wife, Jane, making things even worse. Yeah. But somehow he managed to have time to become a candidate for the president of the United States of America, hoping that the Mormons would be compensated for their losses in Missouri if he were elected. I see ego at work going on here. Yeah. Emma lived in a constant state of suspicion and jealousy. She was determined to leave Joseph if he continued his pursuit of other women and as plural wives. In fact, at one time, she had her bags packed and was ready to return to her family in New York, but wow. Joseph Smith persuaded her to stay. Mm -hmm. Well, when her husband was killed, the Mormons were in a state of chaos and uproar, but Emma was left a pregnant widow with four children and a hatred of the principle of polygamy that was Joseph Smith's heritage to the Mormons, yeah. quote. Emma Smith, 40 years old and halfway through her pregnancy with David, shepherded her four bewildered children through the difficult funeral of their father and their uncle, Hiram. By August 8, the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, led by Brigham Young, had established itself as the church's governing body. The issue of leadership by hierarchy soon became a moot point for Emma Smith. She would base her rejection or support on an individual's acceptance or rejection of polygamy rather than on his ordained priesthood office. So that became a, a, Big issue, a huge yeah. issue in yeah. the early church. Emma's final pregnancy produced a son, David, born in a chaotic environment resulting from his father's death and into a church that was undermined by secret polygamy and violence. None of this we knew growing up, no, did we? None no, of this. No. Uh, behind the scenes, <laughs> and it's all historical, she's got a billion footnotes there. Yeah. In fact, part of, part of what most LDS think, I think, is that Brigham Young really started polygamy, and there yes. he's the one that carried it forward, mm -hmm. that any of this stuff, I always believed that Joseph Smith had just been sealed to these people after he was, after he died, after he so died. that they could be part of his harem, harem but not, not that he practiced polygamy, so yeah. it's not what widely known at all. And, and especially as strong as, as we see that, as we that, it, was that it was at that time. It was actually the, uh, one of the basic foundations of the Mormon church. Yeah, and the deception and... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Now, the Mormon church uh, that her husband had organized and been its prophet was now threatened to become a full-fledged church where polygamy was a core doctrine and which Emma would not yeah. Tolerate. And it was a core doctrine. Yeah. For years and years, it was a core doctrine until it became an issue around mm -hmm. the 1890. 
but until then, it was well. All the leadership big. practiced it. The presidents of the church all had multiple wives. Yeah, and it wasn't a two percent issue, no. and it wasn't a five percent like some claim, no. and it wasn't a calling of God. It was essential for eternal life. And and we've done a lot of shows where we've brought in a lot of quotes from the Mormon prophets that it was essential. In fact, yeah. Section One Thirty Two says it is. If you don't do it, That's you'll be true. damned. Yeah. Now, all of this is the backstory of Emma's son David. This is the the, the environment he was ra- born in and raised in, and uh, and is the topic of the book from Mission to Madness. David was born November seventeenth, eighteen forty four, five months after his father was killed, and ironically, Joseph Smith had prophesied future greatness of this child. Emma was pregnant, and he knew it before yeah. he was killed. So he he prophesied greatness for this unborn child, uh, but there was no greatness <laughs> in the story of David's life. As time passed, disruption with the Mormon community got worse, not better, and the decision for the Mormons to go west was a trip that Emma would not be part of. One of the reasons was polygamy, and the other, of course, was financial, we quote. Of the many widows Joseph Smith left behind, she was the only wife who could legally inherit a dower interest in his estate. Her economic security clearly lay in remaining in Nauvoo. Emma's spiritual and social security seemed to be in Nauvoo as well. She differed sharply with Brigham Young over the direction he appeared to be leading the church. She firmly opposed the principle and practice of plural marriage, which she was certain would continue, which it did, under Young's leadership. I should have found the quote where Brigham Young proposed marriage, plural marriage to Emma, but maybe we can get that in another, in part two of this. But um, there were other proposals that came. Some of the Mormon elders, including Brigham Young and Heber C. Kimball, took many of Joseph Smith's plural wives as widows to marriage. Emma refused to marry any church leader as a plural wife. And we quote, one who tried. (laughs) Disappointed that even Joseph's death had not eliminated polygamy and alone with five children to support, Emma decided to remain in Nauvoo. A family member reported a certain red-headed elder came to Emma to plead with her to take her family and go west. He proposed marriage and finally even used threats and said Emma would come to the time when she would kneel to him and she said, well, if I do it, it will be the first red-headed Brighamite I ever bowed to. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine a woman succumbing to marriage when he's threatening her into yeah, it. I mean, yeah. what kind of a what deal love is that? Is that huh? Yeah, what love is this? Yeah. <laughs> Years later, when David and his brothers traveled to Utah as missionaries for the RLDS Church, Brigham Young railed against him, and we'll be talking about yeah. that a bit later too. In 1847, two men courted Emma for marriage. And Louis Bitterman won the courtship. He had met Joseph Smith years earlier but never and, and heard the Mormon message, but he never did accept it or believe it. David was three years old when the marriage took place. And I wonder if Emma says, if you don't believe in Mormonism, I'll marry you. I'll marry. <laughs> Don't be a polygamist. uh, Yeah, I just wonder. I don't know. (laughs) During the maturing years, David's sister, Julia, and his brothers doted on their youngest brother, David. We quote from page 38. Joseph, too, loved his little brother, and his and Julia's letters picture David as an accommodating, sweet child who lived in an atmosphere of love and support. Joseph indulgently commented about his 11-year-old brother, 
David is the boy of all boys, the pet of the family, and the very personification of gentleness and goodness. I've been the youngest, that, you know, that's easy yeah. to understand. Emma's children were well-educated. She was a former school teacher. She spoke excellent English, so she provided an abundance of books for her children and sent them to the Nauvoo schools for their early education. However, David's religious education seemed to be non-existent. Although David left no record of when or whether his education included religious study, he probably had little formal training. Emma raised her children with an understanding of Christian principles, but they did not belong to an organized church after the Mormons left Nauvoo. Okay. Mm. She, she probably got burned out on religion, yeah. would you think? Yeah. Um, many of the Mormons who had gone west with Brigham Young were concerned about Emma and the children. She's the prophet's wife. Well, yeah, they were the prophet's is. kids. You know, yeah. that's pretty important stuff in Mormonism. Right. Um, and they knew her from Nauvoo. I mean, she right. would have been very visible in Nauvoo. Very and visible and her. a personal friend to, to sure. many of them, probably. Yeah. Uh, but they were concerned about him and the children, leaving them behind, especially family members. Uh, and when, whenever any of them traveled eastward from Utah, they would make it a point to stop in and visit with Emma. When they found her doing well, especially after she married Bitterman, it was unnerving <laughs> to a few of them. You know, they were uh, they were unnerved t today. When people leave polygamy or the Mormon Church, they say you'll never be happy if you yeah. leave, and then they leave and are happier no, than they've ever been. That unnerves people even today. Yes, that's true. Um, most of the Mormons <clears throat> would have preferred that she moved west with them. Others were sympathetic, while others were antagonistic. But the status of her children were of great interest to many of the Utah Mormons, we quote. The prophet's children also excited curiosity. Relationships between Smith's family members in the West and those who remained in Nauvoo were strained but cordial. Usually the tensions resulted from attempts to woo the Smith boys West to reintroduce them to Mormonism or to otherwise disrupt their lives in Nauvoo. Emma resolutely resisted these blandishments. She had removed herself and her children from Mormonism once and had no intention of going through the effort again. Nor did she want her youthful sons to know more about their father's private activities than she told them. Emma did not talk to her children about polygamy. She was protective, I guess. Yeah, very, yeah, yeah. And it's scandalous, you know, that yeah. polygamy was scandalous. And she, of course, wanted to protect him from that, too. Now, all this information is verifiable. There's hundreds, like I said, of footnotes in the book hmm. uh, where she got this historical information that the marriage and the romance of Joseph and Emma that the LDS church portrays is not entirely true. I know I saw one where, oh, everything was so yeah. sweet and wonderful right. and no polygamy was involved, you know, and um, and there's no doubt that, that Joseph and Emma loved each other. I don't think Emma would have put up with him as long mm -hmm. as she did if she if She'd they ha hadn't him. loved him. But, yeah. but Joseph put Emma through a living hell and poverty and jealousy and loneliness and neglect until his death. And even in his death, Joseph's personal finances were intertwined with the church's asset, making it mm -hmm. virtually impossible for Emma to sort it out and receive an interest in his legacy that was rightfully hers. 
Now, this book <coughs> chronicles the sons of Emma as they determined to come to Utah to discover the truth about their father's sexual activities, to disprove the rumors of his polygamy, and, of course, to implore the Utah Mormons to return to what they saw as Mormonism being the only true church through the RLDS rather than Brigham Young's LDS. Joseph Smith III had been ordained by his father to succeed him, but David had also received a special blessing by his father before he was even born, which we mentioned earlier. We quote, Whether Joseph would lead the church was not a simple question. It posed an insidious threat to David's and Joseph's relationship as brothers. Their father had indicated that both of them would head the church. Joseph's blessing had been far more widely known than David's, for it had occurred at least twice, once in the Liberty, Missouri jail and once in Nauvoo, with some 23 people in attendance. Joseph was old enough to remember the incident. So Mm -hmm. we get a little sibling wondering going on there between these two. And during the final two years of Joseph Smith's life, he and Emma struggled Uh, as we've mentioned before with the issue of polygamy, Smith dreamed up several ideas to bring Emma to the holy order, they call it, and the holy priesthood, they call it, still call that today too, which included the endowment of a Mormon ritual and plural marriage, which he claimed would guarantee they would be together for time and eternity. Smith was said to be charismatic, which assisted his efforts to bring people around to his way. We quote again. Emma was sealed to Joseph Smith, Jr. in such a manner on September 28, 1843, as an eternal wife, queen, and priestess. Her husband began to teach that the first son born to a couple after they had been sealed had a special promise from God superior to that of any other children, regardless of natural birth order. Interesting concept. That's very yeah. interesting. And so David was the first child born after Emma was sealed to, to Joseph. Mm-hmm. So he gives this special blessing yeah. and was called a son of promise, which, of course, removes <laughs> Isaac from that, <laughs> that place, I guess. He would have an extraordinary destiny because he, Joseph Smith, the father, had been obedient to the principles of priesthood polygamy. He even told Phoebe Woodworth, the mother of one of his plural wives, that Emma was going to have a son of promise. (laughs) That's quite an ego trip for a young man. uh, Smith himself was extremely egotistical, and he knew how to stoke the ego in others. However, as we continue with the story of David, who eventually went insane and was committed to an asylum, where he died years later, we find that the promise that Joseph Smith had made about him failed, mm. and his life became a tragedy instead. Yeah. We end part one of this series with the following quote. It was intimated by old Mrs. Durfee and others that Joseph the prophet had said that he, David Hiram, was to be the David the Bible speaks of to rule over Israel forever, which David most people took to be old King David. Joseph was even more explicit when he told Brigham Young and others present, I shall have a son born to me, and his name shall be David, and on him in some future time will rest the responsibility that now rests upon me. Okay, so Joseph the third was ordained, and now David gets a higher ordination, it looks like. Now I wonder, excuse me, but yeah. I wonder if this is the famous quote that I grew up with, that there would be a David that would reign 
and I thought it was David O. McKay, and now there's David Bednar. Hmm. Um, That's interesting. As a, a Latter-day Saint, it was kind of my thinking that there would be this David who would reign as uh, when, when the second coming, Might that be. he would usher in the second coming. And so we really? were always, I always thought it was David O. McKay. Of course, he passed. Yeah, and, yeah, they're and all I gone. Keep, and I was aware of David Bednar coming along, and he's a young uh-huh. apostle, so... That's interesting. Anyway, you never heard that one? Uh-uh, I never heard that one. I wonder no. if that's where this came from. I've never heard that Of course, we didn't quote. believe in the Mormon presidents either. The oh, church I guess not. Okay. <laughs> at, at any rate, it's, it's, it's um, evident that the prophecy of David yeah. Hiram Smith was, was not, not fulfilled, fulfilled in his son David Hiram. Yeah. Uh, we'll follow up with the tragedy of his life in part two. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> thanks, Earl. It's interesting to see the, the history of the church yeah. we grew up in and didn't know about it. That's for sure. You know, the things uh, of this in, uh, world and in our lives would be so much simpler and peaceful if everyone would just take God at his word. If they would just believe what he said about himself, what he said about us and our sinful natures, and believe what he said about Jesus. The biblical gospel is very simple. We don't need people with PhDs to explain it to us. Neither do we need modern-day prophets, priesthood, or polygamy. You'll never find in the biblical explanation of the gospel of God's grace where prophets, priests, or polygamy are used by God to save a person. Jesus did it all on the cross. He said, it is finished. Being interpreted, that means it is finished. And if it's finished, we can add nothing to it. Just believe God. Read the Bible and believe what God has revealed. Just trust Jesus to be your Savior. He saves completely. He has left nothing undone. And that's the only thing that will secure your eternity. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.